All right. My guest this week on the Dragzine podcast is Alex Taylor. What's going on, Alex? Hey, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be talking to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's nice. It's, it's kind of weird. Like, you know, during the first part of the COVID craziness, my role and your role was like, I was kind of like wrangling the talent and you were the on-air talent. <laughs> now you're the one being interviewed. So crazy, right? <laughs> it's <Yeah>. backwards. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of strange. It's, it's, but, but it's fun because you know what that it means? Works. We're back to a normal-ish environment. That's a good point. It is semi-normal. It has turned into a more normal ending than I expected for the year. So. <laughs> well, we still got plenty of time left on the clock. So, you know. That's true. Who knows what's going to happen. That is true. I, I've, still got, <laughs> I've still got my money firmly set on aliens will appear at some point. Like, that's we my have, money like, is. We've got a couple days. I just looked at the like clock calendar. We have some days. So. Yeah, there, there's still time for that insanity and fun. But, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it, it's been a strange trip this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of going off of that to start out with, you know, the whole – doing the whole burnout show deal you know mm-hmm. people don't know that when we, we we need content and you know i approach you we, we want to have a female host on the show i was like let's hit up alex let's let's kind of bring her into the mix what was it like hosting like a web tv show kind of deal being a part of that <laughs> that that interesting deal it was so different than anything that i've ever done so when you messaged me or called me about it we talked about it i was like yeah that sounds like a blast and then i hung up the phone and i was like wait what did I just like, what did I sign up for? Like, I was totally all about it, but I was like, why did he ask me to do that? Because I'm not, I've never done anything like that. So like, it was a really neat experience, especially working with Wes and Mike, because they are so, uh, they have such a background with like knowledge and facts. We all had different areas of what we did. So um, it, every week was a learning experience for me with that. Uh, one was just facts and two, how to host. So the first couple of weeks I was nervous beyond belief, but by the end of it, I was, I was having fun with it. So. <laughs> Fun fact, we were just kind of rolling with the punches as they came because, you know, it's funny that you don't realize what's not developed or out there until you have to try to do something. And, like, in our space, no one ever tried to produce shows like that before. So, like, trying to mix everything together, we're, you know, it's it's like putting a race car together. You're like, this will probably work. Wait, nope, that did not work. Let's try again. It was fun though. It was, it was definitely very 2020. Yeah, it definitely was. Like, I think to your point of having Alec or having Wes and Mike on there is it shows like the diversity that this industry has as far as like the people involved and what you get to learn from those people. Right. There's such a wide range. That's something I always say is like, there's like a way to be involved in like ways you don't even think of. And that's something I'm still learning because I'm trying to figure out exactly what I want to do. And so I'm like, there are so many more points to be involved than like it looks like at first. So I don't know. It's cool. Oh yeah. It's, it's funny that when you get to sit in that seat, you got a taste of what it's like to sit in the media seat because it's different. (laughs) It's a different point of view because you know, as a racer, you're more used to being the one that the camera's always on and people are asking the questions, but when it's reversed, it really changes how you look at things. It does. And that's something that I'm having to kind of learn and like adapt to right now as I've been talking with my mentor about kind of going into 2021 and how we're going to do. He said, you need to look at yourself as a media source. And so I was like, that's something that I have never even thought of previously. And so that, that's a different, that's totally, it's totally different. It's something that I'm trying to learn about. So there's a lot to it. Do you, do you think it made the way you approach the industry different and better after kind of going through that whole deal? 
I was a lot more confident after. Um, I look back like last year at some of the stuff that I did like with SEMA and different things like that. And I'm like, man, I wish I had some of the experience I had in 2020 because even though it was, you know, it's not the year we anticipated or anything like that. I've had different experiences that I feel so much more confident being in situations that I'm not, you know, it's not my space, so to say, stuff that's outside of my comfort zone. So because I'm super shy, I'm a shy person until you get to know me and then I'm like out there. So um, it definitely helped my confidence and gave me kind of a different perspective on stuff so it was a good year <laughs> yeah it's fun to be able to get thrown in those situations because it teaches you a lot of stuff and you can translate that into like different areas even in the racing portion side of things because you learn that mm -hmm. there, there is no challenge you can't overcome that's true that's very true and like just getting out of for me like like I said just getting outside of my comfort zone that's my biggest so it that's a that was one that that pushed me there this year so. <laughs> So, you know, kind of to, to get into the comfort zone, we'll, we'll talk about some racing related stuff now, <laughs> which, you know, a lot of people don't realize that you kind of, you come from a racing family, right? To an extent. Yeah. I mean, we're not super, um, can, maybe competitive, so to say, but we have a very automotive background. So my dad is, I'm in his shop right now. So that's where I am working out of currently, but he has built cars forever and so he came from he did a lot of like street rods um he did a lot of fiberglass willies he did that for production for 10 years plus and so like in the past i don't know probably 10 years we got back into he's got back into racing and then i've got into racing in the past seven so you know it, it's interesting everybody has different experiences in life mm -hmm. and you know even myself i grew up around racing my dad raced you know it just it was part of my life Mm -hmm. And what's it like, you know, being a female, being in that environment? Because it is different. It, you know, I yeah. always say that drag racing is the most gender neutral sport when you put the helmet on. But yeah. to people on the outside, it's got to seem a little odd. I think for me, my biggest thing, and I'm thankful for it, is I grew up literally in the shop. So it's never like it was a foreign world to me. Um, so it's not like I grew up like thinking I didn't belong because I literally grew up in it. So I've always said when people ask that question, and maybe it's like a naiveness, so to say, it's like I've gotten older, I've seen it a little bit more. But um, like starting out, it was the young part for me. I was so young when I started and I was doing, um, like I was, I was tuning my car at 16. I, I say tuning very lightly, but I was doing all the Holly programming and everything like that. So being taken serious from a young age was my biggest over thing to overcome so the female thing is something that I haven't really recognized until the past couple of years like climbing up the ladder and I always say like I won't ever play the female card because I mean it's never it's really honestly I that I know of um, hurt me too much but it is I know um, people within industry it's really interesting have a lot more respect for it and I'm, I'm thankful for that it's when you get to like the internet side of stuff where people you know become keyboard warriors that it becomes more of a point than it should be you know so um i try not to pay too much attention to that i had to learn that early on <laughs> oh yeah the, the internet can be a fun and scary place you gotta have <laughs> thick skin i mean if if yeah. i if i went off of half the comments people said about stuff i did online i you know i i wouldn't be doing this i'd be curled up in a corner you oh know, yeah in brownies. but you, you learn to deal with it i think it's it's always interesting especially in motorsports that females and how they approach it they're they're don't like they don't throw that card like you said at all it's yeah. like they're competitive they they are ready to go 
to do the job and they're ready to win, which I think is awesome. And especially when you yeah. grow up in the industry. Yeah, that that's helped. And I think that's one of the things why, why I didn't really ever recognize it is because like, it's my world as much as it is, you know, anyone else, any other person. So I just, I don't know, for me, it's always been really neutral in that aspect. And I've grown up with kind of the attitude, you know, being the way my dad's taught me and everything is, you know, it's just, if you want to do it, you can do it kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah, you're, you're blind to it. Like for me, right. I, I, I mentioned this before when I was out at Vegas for the Super Street Car Nationals. What actually caught my eye was usually I don't notice it, mm-hmm. but the amount of female racers that were there. Yeah. Usually, you know, you'll see That's a couple awesome. there. It's like, you know, you see them there. It's not that big of a deal. But at one point, I thought I counted probably a good mm-hmm. 10 to 15 there racing. Mm-hmm. and that's that's awesome yeah i mean like that that's what i thought of like all right this is cool to see yeah this much diversity at this event yeah and like and like going back on your point just like thinking about that one there is a lot of diversity so i think that helps but two i'm not also not gonna i don't want to say like oh no it doesn't happen because i don't want to discredit anyone's you know points of it do happening when they may not be taken as serious but i just i'm i try to ignore that side of it as long as i can <laughs> But yeah, there is a lot of diversity. You're starting, I see it all the time. It's really cool. So, And there's another point to that as well. And actually, I posted something about this on Dragzine this week in anticipation for this call, just to kind of catch people's opinion mm-hmm. on it, is if you look back in drag racing history, successful female drivers mm-hmm. are, I mean, they're no joke. You look at someone's like, you know, it's an old footage of Shirley Muldowney. I'm like, who do you think the greatest drag female drag racer was of all time? And you start seeing names like Shirley, Erica Enders, Bunny Burkett, and people mm-hmm. like that. And you look at that, and they weren't just, you know, there for the show. They were there to chop heads and pick up the win. Absolutely. That's the that's the best part. I always think, like, if you want to be taken as serious as, like, looking at those names, uh, you got to put in the work for it, so something to keep in mind do you have a female drag racing idol of yours anybody in particular Um, when i was younger um we did a lot of nostalgia racing so my dad was we do like the hot rod reunions and bowling green and stuff like that and i had the chance to meet barbara hamilton barbara hamilton and so she was um she was pretty big for me especially in the early years i went up and talked to her she had her her car there and she was like don't ever ever be just a driver that's what she had told me she's like you gotta like stay hands-on stay like you're doing and so I actually went back and forth with her and emailed her as I was building my car and stuff and so um read her story she'd send me articles and stuff she'd written and so she was she was pretty big for me now you said something there that always piques my interest <laughs> and that's nostalgia drag racing I freaking love nostalgia drag racing anything like the, the old school stuff and especially like the nostalgia pro stalkers I really dig, but anything nostalgia racing is mm-hmm. badass. What, you know, what'd you guys do with that? What did you run? We had a 41 Willys uh, with a blown Hemi on it in it. And so uh, we did like hot rod reunions. And I think like that was the main thing we did. He took it eat to uh, Bowling Green and took it out to California. We had a 55 gasser, um, just a naturally aspirated big block car, but uh, that's what we did mainly is a straight axle car, but that's what we mainly did for, I don't know, three or four years. And then um, three, four, five years. It's a while. That's what really got dad back into it. And so uh, then we traded for uh, the car that won drag week in 2007. And so that's when it kind of took a switch from a little bit less nostalgia and started moving towards, you know, closer to what we're doing now. 
We'll jump in on that in a second. But yeah, the, 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 the whole gasser stuff and the old Willie stuff, to me, that's like the part of drag racing history that can never I die, love it. ever. I love it. And that's something I'm thankful for is not coming straight into like the cars, like, you know, like the Camaro or the Nova behind me um, is growing up and seeing, you know, that's kind of where we started because that way you get to learn the history because I always, I mean, I, the history is important. Um, that's something that always, I love reading about, you know, old older times and when people were actually you know racers were developing what they were doing and that's really interesting so i'm glad that that's kind of where we grew up i i keep saying i'm like i keep i want to go back you know go to bowling green and go do i love the hot rod reunion in bowling green so <laughs> that's what i don't know i love it it's fun I, I went to the they had the hot run you believe up here at trails one year and i checked that out mm -hmm. here in columbus but i want to go to the one in bowling green just because that's got everything like the it's gasser so cool. <laughs> the old nitro cars which you haven't lived until you've seen like a, a legit nostalgia like an updated nostalgia car yeah running on 90 percent with gorilla yep. flames and that dude's like yep. <laughs> trying to keep that car to kip from killing him because they're yep. no joke it's awesome it's so cool like doing that and seeing the cackle fest and i always something i always enjoy is like uh you know you see a arrow when it was like names on the car and you know it wasn't just sponsored i just like the innovation side of it because what we do in the shop is so hands-on and so looking back i mean you know it's come such a long way but seeing where getting to talk to people who were in that time and alive in that time and racing in that time hearing their stories and stuff and you know how they got to the next level and what they did i don't know it's some of my favorites fun oh it's badass because if you think about it we live in an awesome era of racing technology but i also mm -hmm. call it the credit card era because exactly. That's I, could, what we <laughs> I could, I could, well, the credit card era, because I could go on like Summit's website and I uh -huh. could build a nine second streetable LS combo Good. just by yep. clicking on the basket because it's all proven stuff. Back in those mm -hmm. days, you had to be ridiculously smart to go fast because there was no blueprint. Yep. You had to figure it out yourself. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the part that that I find fascinating is exactly what you just said because it, you can it's so much easier to have a you know a fast car now like I say an 850 car for my car now and people are like oh that's it and I'm like wait a minute <laughs> wait, you know so you're right it it's different it's just different times <laughs> it's it's scary to think about that now that an 850 street car is oh yeah <laughs> 15 years ago an 850 street car you're on the cover of hot rod yeah. <laughs> and nowadays it's, it's, total, it's yeah. Now it's like, oh, I could go down to a junkyard and buy this, that, and the other, and you know, I could make an eight fifty car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but that that car's gonna be here for a good time, not for a long time. Right. But you know, <laughs> right. the, you know, the the dragon drive event stuff, that's something you guys are kind of, you know, you guys are known to be successful in. You know, how, how did you guys end up in that whole deal? So, um, as I kind of mentioned earlier, when my dad was building Willie, so he, he uh, had a Willie's that he built, 33 Willie's, um, and Denny Terzic, who built the car that was the 2007 Drag Week winning car, the Camaro, Black Camaro, first car in the sevens on Drag Week. So, he built that car, won Drag Week. Dad had just finished the Willie's right after Drag Week, sometime, you know, a couple months after, had it up for sale. For, you know, he'd had it for sale at that time. So didn't contact him and wanted to just trade cars. And so dad actually took it on, took the car. And that's what made me like love racing. I love that car. And um, 
it was actually a fun fact. It was originally called like once we got it, we renamed it Bad Marrow. So I took that name and took it to my car. But anyway, so when he got that car, um, that's where I started learning more about Drag Week. And I always said, I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. But I never thought like I would be driving at the first event that any of us were entered in. So we just raced that car. Never went, we never took on Drag Week. We just raced it. He went and did some different stuff with it. Um, not, not, you know, all the time. Not, not consistently, but um, they sold the car a couple years later. It broke my heart. Like I, I actually cried the day the car left. Um, and so that's what started Drag Week for me. And then when I started building my car in 2013 or 2012, I started building it. Dad, it's just supposed to be like a car that's going to drive to high school. Dad mentioned something about it. He's like, what if you did Drag Week with you and your mom? I was like, count me in. So the car snowballed from there. Um, and so 2013 was the first time that we had actually entered a car in Drag Week. So um, my car is what started all that for us. <laughs> so you were the, uh, the the point of entry for for the drag week shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. So I went, and then we had a blast. Like mom and I had an absolute blast. We couldn't wait for the next year. And so dad was like, "I got to get on on that." So he built a Ranchero Gasser and took it and entered it in the Gasser class at at Drag Week in 2014. And then he's built a couple different cars since then and taken it on there. We have a lot of customer cars that have done the event too, but what started it <laughs> and to me you, you hear this obviously you hear the term street car thrown around a lot mm -hmm. it's it's it a very interesting term to throw mm -hmm. around and people will him and haw about what a street car is and mm -hmm. i'm like if it can finish a drag and drive event it's a legit street car it is, exactly. It's one of those things like we always say like it's the ultimate test for parts because and i always like and this isn't like a correct relation but that's what I always say it's like it's like a trophy truck of you know of of drag racing type events because like I've got two fuel systems I've got a street fuel system and a race fuel system like everything is so over built it's overkill like the car is heavy it's almost 4,000 pounds and so like if I was really competitively racing it's you know there's stuff we could change to it but like it is a true street car it finishes the week it's really like the ultimate test of parts and so that's what you know it's an ultimate test of like man too to get through the week and to one have the abilities to like fix the problems and stuff. So it's a, it, they're unique events for what they are. <laughs> I remember talking to Tom Bailey about it on the show and he said the funniest thing is when you're building a drag week car and you're at PRI going up mm -hmm. to companies, explaining them to either what you want to do with their part or what they, you've done with something they've built. And they look exactly. at you and go, you did what? You want to do what? It's always great, like, for company, for talking with companies about, because it's like, I can really test these parts. Like, they will really be to the test. So, yeah, Tom. Tom's yeah. an extreme case. Yeah, and that's what cracks me up about Tom is, like, he is so cool and low-key about stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think his blood pressure were like rises above a resting heart rate like he i try <laughs> i try to piss him off sometimes it doesn't work so. he just he just sits there and smiles <laughs> you like you got you got to get to know tom because mm -hmm. you, you'll see like the look on his face you're like like the goatee and the bald head you're like all right this dude's gonna murder somebody and then you get to know him and he's like oh he's cool he's a funny story about that is um since when he had six seconds, uh, Denny Terzich also built that car. 
So it was like, I always called it like the sister car to the black Camaro. And so when I went on drag week, the first year I always teased Tom. I'm like, yeah, in 2013, like I thought you were really cool. And so there's like pictures of me and Tom when Tom actually still had hair. I shared it the other day. People were like, no way. You know, and I'm little bitty 16 year old Alex. And so like that time I was like, yeah, I used to think you were cool. And now like I just, we beat each other up all the time. He's, he's a funny guy. <laughs> oh, he's, he, he's a riot. Like he's a legit, he does what a lot of car guys dream to do where he's like mm -hmm. i'm just gonna build that and like he builds these gnarly cars that go out and do this crazy stuff and he's like yeah we just you know we went on drag week and at the shakedown a couple of years ago he just finished drag week and then steve morse just up and decided like after the award ceremony let's go to the shakedown up at norwalk and they just drive the <laughs> ring up there and they unload it i look at him like weren't you guys just at drag week yeah. and tom just has this look on his face like he's so tired he goes I think we made a poor choice coming up here <laughs> just because he was so beat. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's cool though. It's, it's so much fun. It's a, it's a good group of people in the events too, that it makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. You hear so much about these drag and drive events, just mm -hmm. like the, the camaraderie and everything kind of goes with it. At the same time, yeah. you hear about a lot of shenanigans and whatnot that goes on. You know, what, what are a few of your entertaining drag week stories that you can tell? Oh, and if you need to change names or things to not incriminate <laughs> people, that's fine because I can oh, only. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to think. So part of my problem is that I'll remember this, you know, after we get off the show, but I'm usually so tired during the week. Mom, my mom, cause she's my co-pilot. She'll usually be like, do you remember this? I'm like, no, I don't. I was asleep probably, you know, not really, but like mentally I'm tired. Um, one of the funniest ones that we laugh about that sticks out in my memory, this is an old one, but it was in 2014 when dad had the Ranchero. Um, it was a freshly built car. Like he literally finished it an hour before having to leave to come to drag week in Tulsa. Luckily it was starting in Tulsa. So we're only about two hours from there. And so like he actually did, he tried not to go to the event. He went home, went to sleep. Um, and tried to sleep past the time that would allow him to make it. But he woke up just in time. So he flies over there. Car's fresh built. We are like on day two, probably, maybe day three. And we're stuck on one of those um, toll roads, you know, where once you get on, there is no exit. And so we got stuck. And I had been telling him from the time before in 2013, I was like, yeah, you know, when you're stuck on the side of the road, that's some of the most fun because that's the stuff you remember kind of thing. So like we get about 10 minutes from the track. We're on a toll road. And dad pulls out and like the ranchero is just it stops running worth uh, like anything. Like it just, we cannot make it. He can't get up speed and it finally just dies. We pull off to the side and I'm like, ha ha, this is going to be a good story. You know, it was funny until like eight hours later, we had moved maybe like 300 feet. Like this car is held together with zip ties at this point. Like we have, like we'd pull out and then we'd have to pull right back over. Like we had made it nowhere. And there's this cop that just keeps circling like he would make his toll road loop come back and be like you guys gonna move we're like we're trying but we're stuck and so like this went on probably for eight hours but uh turns out it was just like carbs that were not cleaned um and they were like they needed to be rebuilt um before we came but that's a whole nother story but anyway so we actually my mom and i had to drive to ponca city pick up two carburetors from dominator and his brother and so we picked him up how to drive him back and he had to change it and then uh, that was one of the most memorable moments even though it's not necessarily funny because <laughs> it was just like the cop coming back and back and back in circles so it's one of those things like now it's, it's a good story I'm trying to think of one more recent um 
Usually there's a lot of pain, just tiredness involved with it. <laughs> a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, but we smile the whole time. It is, it is. It's one of those things. It's like, I know there's so many good stories, but uh, usually it's just centered around like being stuck in a shop and, or being stuck on the side of the road. Shop if you're lucky, being stuck on the side of the road and, you know, being stuck with friends and having food delivered to you while you're thrashing and trying to make something work. So um, 2018 was a fun one for me 2019 just because that was my first time winning an event I remember like on the first day I was so mad at myself because I went out and like run like an 840 or something and I can only turn in like an 850 because uh, that's what I'm started at and that's what my class is limited to and I remember just like beating myself up because I ended up turning in a 910 and I knew that that I had killed myself for the week like I was done because that's such a competitive class that like you turn in a time like that doesn't come back so I remember like that was just a fun memory week because I sat down and I actually like cried out of like not sadness not being a baby like I was just mad at myself for not doing better that night and then by the end of the week I turned it around and I actually won the class so that was one of my favorite favorite years but I wish I had more funny stories for you <laughs> I I'm know just, this stuff. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that I'm just thinking of that cop that like stories he was telling us cop co-workers like dude these guys have been sitting oh, you know. all day <laughs> yeah oh yeah and there's been stuff you know like it's just i don't know it's it, there's lots of memories and lots of stories they're not necessarily funny i wish i had more funny ones but it's honestly just like so much work that you have to be there for it to be funny so you can look back and be like oh yeah that's actually hilarious that we made it through the week or it's hilarious that we didn't die or hilarious that you know like we've gone down the dragon tail when we did the east coast drag week last year and it's called the dragon the dragon tail like cars our cars should not be on this and dad didn't have trailer brakes and so like we come we're like it's dark we're going through here late it's the steepest curviest mountain i've ever been on and he comes flying past us like we're like dude you gotta turn like i'm always leader i'm like we're turning here and we call him we finally get service and he's like way down the road he's like i don't have any brakes so like we're sitting in the middle of the road having to turn the trailer around let the car cool off on brakes and one of the guys with us like he's just going back and forth on this mountain doing burnouts so like it's stuff like that it's like little memories that are just they're fun they stick out but <laughs> it, and it just proves that racers do some of the best shenanigan related <laughs> stuff. Like you said, the dude during the burnouts, like that's just, you know, it's stuff that normal people will go, there's something wrong with you. And racers are it just is. like, Oh, this is fun. We're enjoying <laughs> ourselves. It is. It's been fun in the last couple of years because I've been doing like more daily, like vlogs and stuff for my YouTube channel. And so like, I can actually go back and watch stuff later when I'm editing it. It's a lot of fun because I'm like, I didn't even remember we did that. So it's fun now. Cause like to capture some of those fun moments, like you're talking about, but that get forgotten. <laughs> and what's cool now is that these events are getting more popular because you have drag week, mm -hmm. you have Rocky mountain race week, you have the Midwest deal. So there's a right. lot of these to do right now. And I'm not going to ask you which your favorite is because they all are kind of different. So what you'll have a point. Yeah. Th th that's what I'm going to say is to, you know, between drag week and Rocky mountain race week and the Midwest deal, what are the flavors that they bring for, you know, you as a competitor? So I haven't got to do the Midwest drags yet, but with Rocky mountain race week and drag week, drag week holds a special spot to me just because that's where I started. And one, it's also more of a competitive event. Like, I should, well, let me take that back because Rocky Mountain Race Week has kind of changed in the past year. But originally, in my mind, Drag Week was always a little bit more maybe competitive or it was more people took it more serious. 
earlier. Like this past year, Rocky Mountain Race Week, I feel like it's really changed, but um, Rocky Mountain Race Week is, to me, is like I go and like I have fun at that event. Like it is one, it is, it has become very competitive this year. I'm sure it'll be more competitive even next year, um, just seeing some of the people that are going, but it is a very family oriented event. Like the Rocky Mountain Race Week 1.0 this year was 10 days long. 2.0 took on the Drag Week style since it replaced Drag Week and was just a five-day event. So when you have that long event, that first one, you have a couple drive days. So you're actually getting to like sightsee and out with friends. You're getting to spend more time. So for Rocky Mountain Race Week, it's more of like a – it's something I look to forward to for like fun and hanging out with my friends and stuff. And then Drag Week is one of those where it's like I love it, but it is one that like really kicks you in the butt because you are, you know, it's back to – to back, like work drive work drive and sleep you notice didn't fall anywhere in there so that's the difference <laughs> for me drag week's a little more serious um but rocky mountain race week it's my internet messed up no that, that my internet mess up no you're still good you're still going okay it gave me a note but anyways yeah so rocky mountain race week they're just they have totally different personalities when you go to them um and they're both i love both of them for different reasons yeah, that, that's kind of what, again, makes those events so interesting and cool is like that the, they have the different feels and different vibes to them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something else we're going to change gears here a little bit, it's different feels, different vibes. You know, you mentioned your YouTube channel, you know, what was it like to be a part of the 2.4 hours of Les Mullets? How did you even get involved with that surface? That was the most different thing that I've ever done for a couple reasons. One was because... Um, I've, I have never turned any direction, any kind of speed. It's straight. That's it. And so, um, driving and car control is something I wanted to work on a little bit, but I've never had the opportunity. So I got back from race week 2.0 and it wasn't too long after. And Eric Cletus, he messaged me and was like, what are you doing on November He's like, do you want to come be a driver on our only female team for 2.4 hours of lay mullets? And I was like, yes, I'm in, but do you have more details? He's like, I'll send it to you later. I was like, okay, <laughs> so that's all I got. Um, and then the next day he messaged me and told me a couple details, told me I needed to be in Bradenton, Florida at this day, at this time, here's the driver, have the safety gear. That was it. That's all I knew at first. Uh, I was talking to dad. I don't have any practice. So I wasn't trying to one up anybody, but I didn't want to go out there in a situation that I have literally no experience in. One, I didn't want to humiliate myself. And two, I wanted to be, you know, semi-prepared and semi-comfortable with it and maybe semi-competitive, which that's a different story. But um, so <laughs> I planned it. I was partners with Amelia Hartford, which was awesome. Um, we had a lot of fun prepping for the race, made some fun videos for that, but, um, coming up on it, I was trying to find somewhere where I could go practice or I could get some instruction or just get any kind of feel. We don't have a car to go do that. I didn't have a location to go do that. So, uh, I messaged our friends at Holly and I was like, here's the deal, here's the deal. Do you know anybody that has a car that could, you know, help me get some practice? So they ended up finding, uh, or they were friends with uh, a team called, their names are Bill and Will Kimmel, and they found a Crown Vic and got it ready in like three days, and I go over to Bowling Green, and like, 
we practiced for like four hours. And so <laughs> that was the only practice I had, but it was so helpful. I realized like after one lap, I was like, it's a good thing I'm here because I didn't, I would have, you know, maybe halfway through the race figured some of my stuff out, but just seat time. So um, I did that the weekend before Les Moles, and then I flew out to Les Moles and went, which was a absolute blast. It was like nothing I've ever done. It was so cool driving somebody else's car, and it didn't matter if it got hurt. Like, <laughs> that was the perfect. So it was fun. But I know, like, 40 minutes in, I was like, they kept coming on the radio, and they'd be like, okay, 25 minutes left. And then we'd be in, like, caution laps, so we'd be circling for, like, three or four or five minutes and then they come back on the radio what felt like 10 minutes later they're like 20 minutes left and so I was I was tired by the end of it but it's awesome yeah I was gonna say like I, I watching that first I heard the concept about it. I'm like all right this is gonna be interesting and then you start seeing the teams and how it's gonna unfold I'm like this is like the kind of stuff like you just you want to watch because it's literally it's it's a it's a 2.4 hour long car crash it was awesome but it really but it was less chaos than I expected, um, but it was very, very chaotic. And I don't know, it was fun, like the way they paired the teams. It was a really cool event just to, to be a part of and to like get to decorate the cars and then go out and actually race. Um, it, was, it was fun. It's something that I've never had, you know, the opportunity to do anything like that, but it, it was a blast. <laughs> Did you have any moments where when you started racing door-to-door people where you're like, Oh, this just got real. It's hard to say. I was so nervous when I got there because these people, I was always, I was like, I'm probably the one with the least amount of experience here, which I don't, I ended up finding out. I don't know that I, I was, but I don't know that for a fact, but I felt like I was probably the one with the least amount of experience. And so I was actually, that moment hit me when we pulled up to the track and I saw how big the track was. And I see these people out there practicing before and you walk up and there's all these people standing there with their helmets. Like everybody's a little standoffish, super serious at first. And I'm like, oh gosh, it's real. You know, but once you start becoming friends with the people, I started talking to them. I was like, okay, it's not so bad. And then the day of, I was a little bit nervous like as we were sitting there. But once we were actually racing and driving, I was like, that's right. Like, I'm going to take you out. Like I found a new competitive side that I didn't know I had while I was driving. So <laughs> like, it was fun. Like I enjoyed that. Like actually. Circle track racing is amazing. I've always, I'm a big, big dirt track racing fan. And my problem is, is I'm not mechanically inclined enough to constantly <laughs> fix the car and my pockets are not deep enough because you really real quick at circle track racing, you're going to tear stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. And that was why it was cool being somebody else's car. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's like, you just took me out. All right. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hit you. At some point, when I, the moment I realized, I was like, dadgummit, was somebody came over and hit me on the side of the door and took out my mirror. So, like, halfway through, I'm just driving, like, I have no mirror. And that was something I was using quite a bit, which maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing. But I do know one of the straightaways, like, coming around when it was, like, people in front of me, somebody hit me and then clipped me, and I spun, and there's some videos of it. But it's some good in-car footage. That's when I was like, ah, okay, that may be my moment. And I was like, yeah, it's real, because – for 40 minutes, I was doing fine. And then all of a sudden, I'm like backwards and having to get turned around. <laughs> were, were, were there any creative hand gestures used at any point while driving to express frustration with other drivers? I wish. I wish. I'm not that mean. I should have been meaner. I should have been. Afterwards, I was like, I should have been mean. Um, no, there was just a lot. 
you know, that kind of thing. So. <laughs> I, I was going to say, it's, it's always fun when you go to enough dirt track races. It's only a matter of time before you see your first fight in the pits. And then it might not even be between the drivers. I can see why. In my head, I was having a lot of conversations, like imagining, you know, my own scenarios of what I'm saying. So, you know, it's a little, it was a fight in my own head. But <laughs> <laughs> You can see people getting heated in a, in a hurry, right? <laughs> Yeah, when somebody rear-ended me while we were stopped, I was like, okay, you made me mad. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know, it's not like Cletus didn't exactly set the example. He's sitting there banging on the, pa- the pace van as it's going around the track. That's when I realized, like, when I watched the second group, I was like, man, we should have been running the first one. Like, the first, you know, half the race, I'm like, yeah, I got to pick my line, like, try to remember the advice. And then by the second half, I was like, that should have just been out the window. <laughs> it was a demolition derby. Yeah, it, it's that's the one thing you you probably should have realized walking in is anything with Cletus is yeah. just it's a bit it's organized chaos, but just barely organized. <laughs> exactly. But but it was fun, right? It was a blast. I would do it again. Absolutely. It makes me want like I when I got back, I was like, I gotta get a car that I can go do something like some kind of drifting or donuts or something that I just don't have to worry about. Just something cheap just to go have fun with. So. That way, if it ends up upside down or driving over the crank, you're like, meh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's always interesting when you talk to different racers about what they want to do. And, you know, mostly on the street car and the, the uh, you know, the, the, the drag and drive stuff. You know, what are your, what are some of your future goals and aspirations for the automotive and racing industry? What, you know, where do you see yourself? What, you know, what map do you have? That's one of my least favorite that I want to be asked. It's always the hardest questions right now because I, um, I don't have a definite answer. I'll explain why in just a second, but I graduated from college in May. Um, so right in the middle of the pandemic, but I had plans that I was going to hit it hard this year and take on a full schedule, work on driving, work on, you know, maybe finding some people to partner with a little more serious. 2020 did not happen. Um, you know, I didn't do as much as I wanted. It didn't happen for it. No, nothing played out like it should for anybody. So looking at next year, I've been trying, as I mentioned there, been talking with a mentor, trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to do. because for me I have never wanted to just be a driver I haven't wanted to be just somebody behind the scenes I don't want to be just a media person I love all aspects of the industry so like try to pick one and run at it has been like one of my hardest things to decide on so I've worked this past year kind of talking with different people about what I want to do moving forward I still don't have that exact answer but I am working on next year having a full schedule of racing i personally i've realized in the last year that i want to drive more so than i have in the past um i found like i kind of mentioned like become a little bit more competitive like i want to go to some events where i can seriously drive and practice on my driving because at like drag week and events like that there's so many other factors that take away from driving like i am my own crew at drag week i don't have anybody that can help me my mom's with me so like i don't get to focus on driving and so that's something that I want to do next year um, is work on and I don't know if it'll happen just because of schedule issues but I want to go to some events where I can work on that and then maybe pick up and decide what I want to do as far as like driving from there um, I want to get my advanced license so I'm going to my dad's car next year some get that and then 
from there, I'm trying to figure out how to balance that. And then I really like the idea of being in the building space to an extent. So I'm going to be building my Chevy two. That's one of my biggest goals right now um, is for me to like do that and uh, for next year. And then also work on kind of like the media side of it. So I'm still exploring. I'm not scared to say that I don't have a deaf life. I've always been like, I love the industry as a whole. So if the door's open, I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it. And then eventually I know I'll find kind of, you know, my niche and what I want to do with it but it's complicated because I've always like it's I don't come from a strictly racing family I don't come from a strictly building family I don't come from you know a media family by any sense it's just there's so many different aspects that play into it so I'm still learning I'm still trying to figure that out <laughs> it's an awful answer <laughs> oh no that that's actually a very insightful and a, a good answer because it, it gives you the opportunity to look at all aspects of it and if there's anything that 2020's taught us is that you got to be able to be fluid yeah <laughs> exactly and that's what I'm trying to remember and it's me kind of figuring out you know just um I'm thankful that I I did graduate I graduated with a marketing degree but I'm thankful I graduated debt-free I don't have any debt um went to school I, I had scholarship and all that so I set myself up for a position where um it doesn't take an incredible amount for me to, to do what I need to do on a daily basis money-wise. And so I have that ability to explore that for the next couple of years, you know, build my car, explore, see that. So that's something that I work towards and I'm just going to, I'm, I'm running at it. So next year, I'm excited for next year. I think there'll be some fun stuff happening. It's just, I don't know what my end goal is yet. So. Well, you know, it's always also fun to ask racers, you know, if you were given that magic lottery blank check or the opportunity to drive anything, what would you want to jump behind the wheel of? Oh, man. Uh, I also don't have that answer. I always think, like, I want a sport car, um, some kind of really fast radial car. Like, if there was a team behind it, I love the idea of going to some of those events, like the small tire, like a radial event. I wish I could be competitive in that. I've actually talked about that. I'm like, I want to be, I want to do that. But, like, I don't have funding or the, you know, the not, the the team to do that. So that's something that I love to do. You know, and, of course, like, I think a pro mod, something like that looks fun as well. So, like, fun, I know, is but I want to say door car I want to do something fast I you know I don't know one of those two. <laughs> oh, that makes sense it's it's always interesting to hear people's answers on how they look at that because it, you know racers all have different tastes on what they want to do and some people are like I want to get behind the wheel of a nitro car and there's other people are like I don't want anything to do with that <laughs> yeah what's funny is you talk to some of the nitro guys and they're not fans of the pro mods. They're like, those guys are crazy. <laughs> I don't know that I would be if I was behind it, but I got to watch. Um, I traveled with Crower for a couple years and got to be at a lot of IHRA events. And so I watched some of them drive there. And I was always like, I always thought that. I was like, it looks like a crazy ride. But something about that's intriguing. Whether or not, like, the driving capability is there, that's something I, you know, I don't know. I've not been in that situation, but I'd like to – like to think it and prove myself right or wrong. <laughs> so. Did you happen to read the, see the video of Tony Stewart going to Frank Holly's drag racing school? I did not. If you get a chance, watch that because I've, I've okay. talked with Frank and I've talked with a lot of other nitro racers and they've all said kind of like the same thing is when you're trying to drive one of those cars, you focus at a point very far down the track and you like, you mm -hmm. focus on that to keep the car going that way because of how wild they are. Mm -hmm. And, you get to see Frank 
talked with Tony, and that's one of the things that he tells him is, you know, pick a point and drive to it. Mm-hmm. To me, that's borderline terrifying that you're going to be driving <laughs> something that goes 300 miles an hour that you're like trying to like focus on a point down track just mm-hmm. to keep you from like wadding it up. Exactly. It's something, see, when you put it like that, I'm always, you know, I've heard the same thing about like it being, you know, a, a wild ride. It's one of those things like that's my far out like idea, you know, so that's something, that's something out of my comfort zone. I'm sure it's out of most people's comfort zone, but I try to, you know, I don't know. I want to think that maybe there's a chance sometimes. <laughs> if you had the money, would you do the Larry Dixon ride along thing to jump in the backseat of that car and take a ride with him? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if I had the money, I would never say no to something like that. Um, it's not something that's going to like my top list. I am like, I'm sure I would love it, you know, but it's one of those, like, I've always, it's weird not being, you know, actively, actively in control. That's like with riding like dirt bikes or motorcycles or something like being a rider is so different, but I also know like riding as passenger, you get a different perspective. So like, it'd be really cool to be in something like that and not have to worry about being in control at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because a lot of racers were like, that. Oh, I, I want to drive it, I want to drive it. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it, it's exactly like I said, maybe I don't want to be in control. Maybe I just want to enjoy the experience of not having to worry about it. Something I think that would be interesting is because, you know, when you're driving, you like everybody says, I always say, like, time slows down. Like in the instance, like, you know, something goes wrong, time slows down, you have time to think about what's going on. So it'd be interesting to be in that situation and not being driver, but being passenger, like does time slow down in that same situation or are you, is it like here and gone kind of thing? That's something that I mean, I've never got to know that. So. <laughs> the, the only thing that worries me about being a passenger in a nitro car is if things go wrong, especially sitting behind him, like you are right there front and center for a blower. It's a bad day. It's a bad day. <laughs> Yeah, and I've watched enough, and like that's the other thing is even just driving one of those things. I've watched enough of the slow motion videos to see the Mm -hmm. forces at work when one of those engines pop and how those like you see drivers' heads bobbing around. I'm like, I don't know about that. Yeah, that's a good point. Like that is a good point. Like like that that whole instant when you see that engine pop and their head snap Mm -hmm. forward and like that's happening so quick. You know, that you, you don't feel it till afterwards, they're probably pretty sore. Exactly. It's so that's and that's something that I mean, that's a good point. Thinking about like this is totally not the right equivalent that I'm about to say, but you know, like you're waiting in line at a roller coaster or something and you start like analyzing you know, like the you know, you're like, what if this, what if that, like the mechanical thoughts of it. And I guess I've grown up with like the mechanical background and like seeing stuff like that. And so I always said, I'm like, man, it's so naive. It's so easy to be naive because you realize like how much you don't know kind of thing. So like knowing a little bit more makes everything a little bit more scary, I guess. (laughs) So I feel like in that situation, it'd be like, if, what, if, what, if, even though it's like totally qualified people um, putting that together, but still like. Oh, I I live that nightmare. (laughs) I was at Cedar Point. First time I'd ever been to Cedar Point and we're getting ready to ride the Magnum, like the big gnarly coaster at the time. And, you know, you can like see like down through the track like, you know, below the, the, the coaster, there's like the work area. And I see these people like they're, they're obviously they're engineers. They have clipboards. They're pointing at things and writing stuff down. And I'm like, I'm about to get on this coaster with these dudes over here writing stuff down. 
what is about yeah. to happen. Hopefully everything's okay. But at this point, yeah. you know, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, with, I'm, I'm with the date. I'm like, I'm not going to chicken out. Let's just buckle in and I'm going to pretend everything's probably going to be okay. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. It's one of those situations. <laughs> and it doesn't hit until you're at the very tippy top and you're like, you, the, the phrase, the point of no return. Exactly. <laughs> and you're like, well, it is what no it is. Either. Yep. Go for it. <laughs> Not a bad idea. You know, to kind of close things out here, what's the best racing related Christmas gift? You know, it's the holidays. We're, we're going to do the holiday show. What, what are, Ooh. you know, do you, do you have a best racing Christmas gift that you got that you can remember? Hmm. Best racing Christmas gift. Um, I didn't get a Christmas gift. I got paint for my car once. That was awesome. But something I realized I should put on my list was a fire suit for this year. Like something, you know, like get a really nice one that I wouldn't normally buy. Um, I don't know. That's so, that is so specific and relative to the person. I don't know. I would probably say if I had to ask for a racing gift right now, it would be, that's where I'm at right now, just because I'm in the middle of like not needing anything for the car. <laughs> I, I could see getting paint would be an awesome gift to get. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I completely feel you on the fire suit because I'm, we're upgrading both of my cars and mm -hmm. one of them's going to be 850 car run on E85. And it's like, all right, I need to get a 15 or 20 layer suit. Mm -hmm. and I start looking at those prices. I'm like, Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Why? Yep. But you, you know, it's, it's one of the things is you cannot put a price on safety. And I had it, no. I had someone reach out to me about, cause I posed that question on Facebook, what everybody uses. And I had a guy, Pat McGowan call me and he said, when he, he told me, he goes, when I was looking to buy a suit, I was him hawing about it. And the sales guy put it the best. He said, when was the last time, you know, someone only paid $500 for a skin graph? That's a good point. I'm like, that's, a, that's a good point. Like that, that's a smart salesman right there. That's a guy that knows how to elicit a response. That is, that's smart. Yeah. For me, like I've been, um, I do have to get a new one for next year. And so like, I am a small person. I'm just short. I'm little. And so, um, I have trouble getting just like a regular one to fit me. So I have to get like one that's custom, you know, and I know it's not a big deal for most people, but for me, it's a big deal. And so, that's one of the things I'm like looking at. I'm like, okay, it's expensive, but it's worth it. You know, I spend time in it. I want it to fit right. So well, you, that's want be, you want it to be comfortable and, you know, yeah. <laughs> your, your, your safety gear, you, you know, your helmet tells, you know, a lot of drivers have custom painted helmets, but your suit yeah. and your helmet, that's like, that's like your suit of armor. That's, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's your, that's your Iron Man suit. You got to be about that. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's what I should have put on my list this year. I I looked at my build list and what I've got going on. I'm like, and no, I cannot morally as a person ask anybody to buy some of this stuff because it's like, wow, this is expensive. That's the problem. Like, there's a ton of stuff. Like, I haven't got a lot of core parts for Christmas because, like, you know, it's not present price. Like, it is, you know, it's pricey. It's expensive. So. <laughs> so, so is it a fair statement to say it, when, when you see people – complaining about buying a second hand, you know, PS5 off the scout marker for $1,500. You just giggle. You're like, really? I don't want to hear it. I know. It's like, I have friends that my friends are not into cars and they'll be talking about, I just spent, you know, whatever on something stupid. I said, or they're like, my hobby is so expensive. I'm like, don't talk to me about expensive. Yeah. Like I just spent 
whatever on, you know, like I just bought a, a crank last week, you know, like it's not, let's not talk about, <laughs> which the, is all relative. But the, the only people I have found that make me feel bad for them are people that are in the aviation. Like they do it as a hobby. Oh, yeah. that's like, wow. You, you have money. Like you have a lot of money. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. And that's something like, honestly, like, I know we're wrapping it up, but fun fact, 16, I stay license. Like, I want to get a license. When I was 16, my birthday, that's when we were, like, starting to build my car. So they were going to get me, my parents were going to get me lessons to, like, learn to fly and to start that process. They're, like, that's hobby at a time. Like, you know, cars are enough right now. <laughs> so I haven't got to do that yet. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with being a passenger. Like <laughs> seeing what goes into flying a plane or a helicopter, I'll let someone else go through that training deal that, you know, I just not, not a fan, not a fan. With, with all that being said, Alex, our, our time here is coming to, our time here is coming to a close. And I like to give my guests their opportunity to do their, their John Force impersonation and plug all their sponsors and where they can be found at whatnot. So I'll, I'll turn the floor over to you so you can tell people, where to find you out on social media, what you got going on, everything else. Um, you can do it as John Force if you like. You don't have to. That's totally optional because Alexis DeJoy did that, and it was, like, over the top. I'll probably skip that part for all the listeners' sake. Um, <laughs> where you can find more is if you go to my YouTube channel, Riding with Alex Taylor. Uh, Instagram is Alex Taylor Racing. Website is alextaylorracing.com. And Facebook is Alex Taylor Racing. And I talk about my sponsors and the products and all that that I love on all of those channels. And I won't bore you guys while you're listening. <laughs> Very true professional response right there because if that's one thing you learned is how to avoid forgetting a sponsor. Forgetting somebody, exactly. <laughs> making them mad. <laughs> Because that's my problem. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I have gotten an email from a racer. They'd be like, dude, I left mm -hmm. a sponsor out of my article. Can you put them in there? And I'm always like, exactly. no problem. I can do that. I, there's so many great people that like have been behind me that I don't like, I'm like running around, like looking like what banners, like what, you know, like where I don't want to forget somebody. So. <laughs> Well, you know, if, if you're a student of drag racing, John Force, like when he would be in his manic state, would literally look at his fire suit <laughs> and start naming people off of his fire suit. It's, you got to do it. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> well, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful Christmas, and we will see you at the track hopefully a lot in 2021. Hopefully so. Thank you so much for having me.